Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days when Kevin Godby donned his gay apparel and dated a lady named Holly Jolly. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, sometimes holiday-filled, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast, and I am your host, Brian Levine. Uh, Once again, way pre-recorded because uh, Kevin's traveling. It's not my fault this time. I promise. It's really Kevin's fault. Uh, But on this week's show in Pipe Parts, we've got an Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is from uh, Peterson Pipes of Dublin. It's Glenn Whelan, who we hear on the show once a week. Uh, We'll have uh, music by request for the holidays, mailbag, and a rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, And, you know, the clock is ticking as this show goes out. It is the end of November and that means that uh, December is right around the corner, and hopefully we're all in the holiday spirit by now, and hopefully the show will help and get you into that musical happiness and, you know, all the jolliness. Um, also, as I said last week, you know, hope you get in, hope you get a chance to uh, enjoy your pipes during these holiday times, you know, maybe sitting outside with a nice fire and uh, some eggnog or uh, I like I like hot apple cider. Uh, so maybe you get a chance to do that. Uh, remember, if you have any suggestions for holiday music, please email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll get them played. Uh, at the time we're recording this, which is like two weeks ahead, uh, I've only got two suggestions. So uh, send yours in, all right? Love to hear them. So with that being said, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for Pipe Parts, and I'm not sure why he keeps joining us, but apparently he's a you know, masochist or something, is uh, Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Well, how could I say no to my good buddy, Brian Levine? Yeah. Thanks for having me back, buddy. Yeah, you need to get better friends. Um, 
<laughs> or at least talk to them more than twice a year because we only do this once or twice a year anyway. <laughs> Are you? No, no, no. It's every every episode that oh, we're yeah, that yeah. I'm on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. So your question for this week is, and this has come up in a couple of conversations recently, and I remember it coming up frequently before, and it was you know shellac lacquer you know uh, you know finishes on pipes and mm. what happens if you seal the finish in does the briar breathe and what do you, mm-hmm. you know all right so so what do you think you know let's talk about the the breathable briar or the different kinds of finishes and what's bad what's good go yeah oh that's i mean it's a great question and you know i've been around this pipe world long enough that that was a big topic of conversation when I first got into it in the early 2000s. Um, And I kind of have my speculation about its origin, but I'm a little curious, Brian, if you could, you've been around a little longer than I have. When did you start hearing about this? And what were the origins of those stories about briar and breathing and finishes? So when I when I got into the pipe side fairly heavily was in like 96, 97. And then you mm-hmm. would hear about the uh, back then you would hear about the less expensive pipes that were really yeah. shiny. But the minute you started to smoke them, the finishes would bubble or you'd start mm-hmm. to get spots. And yeah, and then the, then you'd hear about people that just wanted it finished with linseed oil and a natural wood finish and all smooth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And but then you'd hear people say, "Oh my, you know, now my fingers are getting the pipe dirty and it's starting to color and stuff." Yeah. But at the same time, I know that there are lacquers or shellacs that a lot of pipe companies use. I don't know specifically mm-hmm. who, um, but I'll tell you right now. Smio Sato, one of my favorite pipe makers, uses Arushi lacquer, and Arushi lacquer is almost bulletproof. So, mm-hmm. what's the deal? I mean, and the pipes smoke okay. They don't get so those pipes don't get too hot when you're smoking them. They don't retain the heat because they're they're uh, the 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 pores are obstructed. I I don't keep bad smoking pipes. There you go. There you go. I mean, I think those are some of the arguments that I've heard, like that you've gone through. So like that the if you have too thick of a finish or a finish that clogs the pores of the briar, that it will do one or more of a few things. One, it will prevent the pipe from dissipating heat appropriately. Right. So the the pipe will smoke hot. Or the pipe will smoke wet, that the moisture from the smoke will not be able to move through the briar and out, presumably, uh, is the argument as that that's the logic of the argument, at least. And then that the pipe will over time that the clogs will get this is a third argument that the, the 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 pores will get clogged because it can't it can't evacuate the moisture. And the pipe will start tasting bad because it uh, it hasn't been able to get rid of all of those those toxins or whatever are left behind from smoking. So I think all three of those arguments are kind of nonsense that really what they're being they're based on is a hot smoking pipe that has a really thick finish on it was just a hot smoking pipe or a pipe maker or a pipe smoker that didn't know that when a pipe gets warm that you stop smoking for a little while and let it cool down 
Like you do that, whether you're smoking a natural finished briar from a top tier person or a, uh, you know, a low level varnished pipe there, be treat them the same or you ought to. So the, is that not right? So my, my favorite example of the moisture going into the briar or stuff like that was, uh, mm-hmm. when I worked at smokingpipes.com a long time ago, uh, we bought an estate full of pipes from a guy, from a widow and the guy had bought pipes in the 60s, you know, the 1950s and 60s and then quit smoking in the 80s. So I knew his, okay. I knew the pipes were at least at that point like 25 30 years old. We okay. bought we bought this whole lot. She didn't want the ones that were beat up back. So we had some old mm-hmm. uh it was a Dr. Grabo in fact that was an old one that we weren't going to uh, we were going to donate it to science. So I took it out into the driveway and with a hammer smashed it. And Give it what, a whack. I whacked it and I broke the bowl into several pieces. And what I remember seeing was that pipe had been smoked heavy, but the, the tars and the stain inside the wood had only moved, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of millimeters into the wood. But beyond that, it was all Mm -hmm. still fresh wood. Right. Unstained. So, so moisture does not move experiment. It doesn't. I mean, yes, uh, to like to be perfectly honest, like, of course, moisture does move through the the briar. It's one of the ways that moisture gets into the Erica Arborea tree is that moisture is coming through there. And when the briar blocks are harvested, they're really wet. So, yeah, if you if you take that pipe, that that very pipe that Dr. uh, Grabo that you had and drop it in a in a bucket full of water and leave it there for a month and then you cut it in half it's it's going to be fully soaked but if you are just smoking the pipe and then letting it rest and then smoking the pipe and letting it rest even if you're only letting it rest you, you could smoke that pipe uh all day long every day for two months and it would still never soak up moisture all the way through it you know uh our buddy uh rad davis um rad did an experiment years ago where he was a little frustrated, uh, as we all were, by some of these, uh, all of us pipe makers, rather, uh, by this argument that that there that the porousness of briar w- had to be retained by having a thin or no finish on the outside. And so he cut a pipe in half, a pipe that had, I think, had come back from a customer or something and was uh, broken, so he he was scrapping it anyway. And he cut it right down the middle. And this gave him two things that he could look at. So one is seeing how far, like you did, the tars moved into the wall. And I mean, it was a, it was a fraction of a millimeter for a really heavenly, heavily smoked pipe. It just doesn't get in there. It, it's, it, it would have to be soaked, as I said. And then the other, I think a better way of, uh, or example from the same pipe was looking at the stain from the outside, how far that soaks in because stain. So alcohol that is usually the solvent that this, that the stain is in suspension inside of that alcohol will soak into briarwood much more quickly and more deeply and more thoroughly than any of the tobacco juice that will be on the inside. (laughs) And so that will be a much better way to see like uh, how how porous is this briar 
And even the stain, which was delivered by alcohol, had only soaked in a fraction of a millimeter. It just doesn't go in. There are some exceptions there that you can have pipes that have some softer sections where it will soak in farther. So sometimes as a pipe maker, you stain even a thick walled outside of a bowl and it'll soak in. Doesn't mean there's a flaw on the inside. It doesn't mean anything other than, oh, there are a couple, you know, extra porous areas here. Um, but the briar's not breathing, not breathing in the, the sense that we've heard these arguments at least. Are the pipes of the past that would bubble when you start to smoke them, is that just either stain or shellac that wasn't set correctly or put on or, you know, something was underneath it. Somebody, somebody yeah. just did a quick little shortcut. Uh, probably. I, so that's probably a varnish of some kind. And the problem is not, it, it's probably twofold. One is that the surface wasn't prepared appropriately for that kind of a finish. Now, as like the, the types of pipes that I make, I'm sanding to a really, really high finish. And so having a finish like a varnish like that, that is going to create, it's going to essentially laminate a layer on the outside that that would never stick to a pipe that's sanded as far as I've sanded mine. There's just simply not enough texture there. And so it would unbond pretty quickly. Um, and that's probably what happened with these pipes is it a combination of... Um, uh, the surface prep wasn't appropriate for the finish that was put on. And then the finish was way too thick. So a finish like you want a very, like a, a thinner than tissue paper is the finish that will end up on the pipe. You should be able to see some of the grain that in the texture on the outside of the pipe, even on more or less a mirror finish. So the bubbling happens for as the pipe is heating and cooling. And usually it's like early in the smoke as the pipe heats up, you've got two materials there. You've got your pipe and then you have this layer of thick layer of varnish or, or lacquer finish on the outside. And those are going to expand and contract at different rates because they're different materials. And that difference in expansion characteristics causes them to separate. Eventually there'll be a mechanical breakdown of the, of the bonding area yeah. and they'll separate. And of course, there's also factories in the old days that used to just dip the whole pipe in the stain and dip it in the in the lacquer yeah. and and just let it hang dry and drip dry and you know, quick, fast, and uh, not so easy all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's that's largely I think what is what is at play with these these arguments that were made, and so that the leap was made. Well, that must be air or moisture trying to get out from underneath the finish it could also be a moisture issue actually i should have uh thought of this where if the they're working briar that wasn't sufficiently dried yeah. and then they've placed this finish on it so as you heat it up the moisture is trying to get out but that's moisture that was already in the briar because it wasn't properly dried in the first place they were working with wet briar so that could also be at play here there's a lot to get into on this and I, and I'm pretty sure this will uh, stimulate some, uh, some questions and responses that will be uh, kind of interesting to read. So, yeah, I, th I think that, you know, this could be fodder for future, uh, future conversations about this because yeah. we can get into some of the other kind of ideas or, or materials that have been, there, there's a lot of popular mythology in the pipe world about them, things like lacquer and things like shellac. Like, which of these 
is appropriate. What are appropriate finishes for pipes and why are they why are they okay or why do you not use certain things? So uh, I think there's plenty to talk about here and plenty that uh, you know maybe the uh, your audience would find interesting to hear about. Or maybe they have their own opinions about them. And I just got a whole nother idea that I'll talk to you about when we're done recording this. So, uh, Jeff, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, you know, look, 10, 11 years into this and we've still got things coming up. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a voice you hear every week on the show. It's a voice and a face that I've met in person at a PCA, or back when it was the IPCPR, but uh, Glenn Whalen of the Peterson Pipe Company. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's been probably way too long since we last spoke. Um, I think you're right there. You captured it. I think it was 2019 at IPCPR. Yeah. the last time we spoke in person. So it's good, good to finally catch up again. Yeah, and finally have you on as a guest instead of walking up to you and just sticking a microphone in your face on the show floor and going, here, say something in Irish and be cute. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had, I've had worse things thrown in my face at pipe shows, so a microphone is the least of my problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, we know your dad worked for Peterson for 50 plus years. What is your earliest memory of the Peterson Pipe Company? Um, so kind of my, my very earliest memories of the Peterson Pipe Company is kind of it goes back to before I even saw the factory. Um, my grandfather was a pipe smoker. Um, and he would often kind of smoke factory seconds or pipes that my dad would bring home if they were trialing a new stain or a finish. Um, he, he'd be almost the guinea pig for Peterson. Um, so like, like my earliest memories are like some of the earliest memories that I hold, like age three and four, because um, I would go to my grandparents' house after school and they'd take care of me until my parents were off work um, or what, while my siblings were finished school. Yeah. So it, him smoking a pipe is the kind of earliest exposure I had to pipe smoking. In in terms of my kind of first exposure to the factory, I used to come out. So my dad was, he served as factory manager um, for about, I think it was about 25 years in total. Um, so part of his routine would be, he'd obviously, obviously have his, his normal week's work. But then he would go out on a Saturday morning and he'd kind of cherry pick a crew to to join him where they were kind of 
tie off some loose ends in production from the previous week. And with the crew of about three or four, he always joked that he'd get more done with those guys than he could with the, the 20 other guys during the week because these were guys who he could just designate a role to and they wouldn't bother him for the six or seven hours. So I'd often go out on the Saturday and I'd be the, there like age, I think about 10 or 11 I was when I'd start going out and I'd just sweep the briar shavings off the floor. Um, he'd show me kind of greasing the machine sometimes. Um, what what they do is kind of general maintenance in the factory, the kind of unseen work. But the, the kind of briar shavings is my kind of force, kind of feeling them through the hands and saying, how how is this uh, coming off the machines and when they're shaping the wood? Um, but that's the kind of earliest, earliest kind of to seeing a factory setting of pipe making. Yeah. And then it was also kind of a cool thing. It ended up being a thing that we do on a weekly or every second week where it'd just be six hours I'd get alone with my dad um, outside of anybody else, really. <laughs> Free child labor in Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I was, I will say I was well looked after because I'd always hit him for a McDonald's on the way home or something like that. So uh, as in a 10 or 11 year old, McDonald's was always a great treat on a Saturday afternoon. That would oh that had to be big fun yeah yeah uh, okay now I gotta ask do they have the shamrock shake in Ireland <laughs> we we still have the shamrock shake and it's probably so I don't have much of a sweet tooth when it comes to things like that I'm more into savory things but the shamrock shake is probably a, a guilty <laughs> uh, one of my guilty pleasures I have to say <laughs> <laughs> okay I had to ask that sorry sorry no, uh, no that's allowed. <laughs> So what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, did you go to university and did you try to have a real career and then you got sucked back into working with your dad again? So, so I, had, I had a feeling this question would come and I was kind of saying to myself, like, I don't think any child kind of has aspirations to work in the pipe manufacturing or tobacco industry when they're in school. Like, yeah. I think a career guidance counselor in any school worth itself would probably steer any child away from doing that. But um, so originally I wanted to be a pilot um, and in, in, within Ireland you have to get a, a high mark in physics in your uh, school leaving exams uh, to be able to go on and kind of you can get a scholarship with pilot training colleges. Um, so I failed physics. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of those things where I put all my eggs in one basket um, I looked at previous exams and there was two questions that hadn't come up in the last three years and everybody kept saying to me, the teachers, oh, this, these questions are due. They're going to come up on the exam. Know, know the kind of the theorems and whatnot that goes into them. And, of course, they didn't come up. So I knew, by, knew my fate within about 40 minutes when I had three hours to complete the exam and I was done in 40 minutes <laughs> all that I could answer. Um, so then I kind of looked at alternative routes. Um, I looked at the Irish Air Force, and we don't have much of an Air Force here. It generally seems to be a hobby for the people that work in it. <laughs> uh, so then I looked at uh, the, the British Air Force, and I went through the kind of application process there. Um, I would have had to become a UK citizen, but I could have got that on my grandparents' side. Um, so went over, done an interview and got an invite back for the medical. Um, and 
this was kind of just as the Afghan war was getting into full swing. And I got kind of cold feet because I, you would have happened to give them, I think at the time it was 16 years service post-training. Wow. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of fly commercial airlines, that kind of stuff, not fighter jets and <laughs> certainly not in the middle of a war. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of, as with most men, a lady came into my life as well. That is now my wife and mother of the three children. So <laughs> that that played a big role in the decision as well. It's it, basically I would have happened to give up everything I had, yeah. move to England, and then give it up for a long time. Like so, I kind of decided against it. And right around that time, there was an opening in the retail store when it was on Grafton Street. Uh, Obviously, my dad was discouraging me from joining the Air Force as well. So he was kind of really pushing me to take this part-time job on. So went into the shop and kind of like thinking I'm 16. Like it's, I don't want to work in a tobacco shop like for all, all my life. But kind of tobacco and pipe industry, there's a real charm and allure to it. Like once <laughs> you get into it, you kind of get wrapped into it. Um and I, I kind of got fascinated, like, just by talking to the customers every day. Like, they're, they're so interesting. There's so many stories. Like, every day is a new story. Um, so many customers. And I guess I got, just got dragged into it in that way. But kind of thought to myself, like, really soon that so long as I could get progression in this kind of job, I'm thinking, like, this is, this is actually a really cool job, cool industry. Um, and it, it just went on from there um, I spent I think in, in total 15 years working in the retail shop uh, before an opportunity um, opened up in what is what was the old factory in Sally Noggin uh, but just in a kind of commercial role so basically I went from dealing directly with the, the end user in the shop to dealing with distributors um, across the world um so, so it, it kind of so accelerated you, really quickly so your your career in the air force and flying got you got wooed by an irish lass and the and the fragrant smell of pipe tobacco there you go it's uh they can put that on my headstone <laughs> <laughs> he, he was meant to fly but got grounded by a lass and the fragrant smell yeah, of tobacco is 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 his dreams just went up in smoke, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're up in smoke, got you a wife with three kids and a career. Yeah, so. and to be honest, if, if if I was in the British Air Force, I probably would have went up in smoke anyway, but I probably would have been in, in a million pieces as well doing it. So. And how would your, well, we got to back up here. How would your family have felt if you decided to leave Ireland to switch to the Protestants and so the occupiers that, that, of that northern area? I'm I'm a very very proud Irish man, very <laughs> proud. Like my like most of my family like like were deeply patriotic about Ireland, and yeah. that was a big big thing. Like it's it was a big part of the decision, and but I was kind of saying like to me it felt like a small sacrifice to get the career I wanted until I found out what was involved in me getting the career I wanted. Like. I would probably be only 
this year, like if I'm doing kind of rough maths, I would say this year will probably be when I could have started flying commercial airline. Uh, wow. After like serving in the British Air Force. So eh, I've no regrets now. Like it, I, like probably two, like two, three years into the, the kind of job when things started to settle down in Afghanistan, I probably had kind of small regrets, but yeah. I, I've done well in the 20 years when I since I made the decision. I feel like I probably done as well as I could have. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have... Uh, I'll try not to insult the Irish people too much and the British people too much, but we'll be back with Glenn in just a moment. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with glenn whalen of peterson of i guess it's peterson of dublin uh, we, we call it peterson of dublin here yeah, yeah. Um, or peterson pipes it's yeah. there's many different names like depending on where you are in the company some people still call it caps like the people who are here 40 years would call peterson caps as yeah. in cap and peterson so it's uh, all, all, all names are kind of accepted here yeah, if you want the history lesson, get Mark Irwin's great book on the history of Peterson Pipes and Oliver Cap and the Peterson Brothers. and uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and all that stuff. Uh, when you were working on Grafton Street, any, um, any famous people walk into the store? So, yeah, like, so we, we, get, we used to get a lot of famous people because our, our shop um, still has the only walk-in humidor in the com- in the country. Um, wow. So there's only actually, there's three specialist cigar stores um, in Ireland, but ours was the only one with the walk-in humidor at the time. So it, we, we used to get an awful lot of American customers coming in who obviously at that time couldn't bring cigars in and ev- uh, Cuban cigars back, but everybody did. Um, so we did get celebrities um, coming in, like Quentin Tarantino was in. Um, one day, right around the, the Pulp Fiction time, um, we had um, I forget his name. Uh, it's the guy who played the fonts, um, Henry Winkler. Henry, yes, yeah. <laughs> he's he's been in the store, uh, but like we would have as well Irish celebrities that would come in. Uh, I use the term for some of them very loosely as a celebrity, but some would be kind of. Uh, world famous like Colin Meany I don't know you know him like he was in Star Trek and things like that um, Colin Farrell has been in the shop um, 
golfers have come in a lot. If the if the golf was on in Ireland, like you would get Padraig Harrington or um, a couple of the American golfers would would pop in, or we would have to courier cigars to the hotels they were staying in for them. Um, so yeah, we did get. We were kind of respectful of them as well, though at the same time because um, um, pipe and cigar smoking in Ireland is kind of. People kind of say, "Oh, nobody smokes a pipe." Like, and the people who do are kind of hobbits or things like that. So, <laughs> they, they, a lot of people would hide the fact that they smoke a pipe or cigar. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of coming more widely accepted because people are kind of um, so against cigarettes now and so against vaping. It, the kind of traditional smoking, kind of pipe smoking as a traditional kind of tool of smoking tobacco is. It's kind of really accepted now because it kind of brings nostalgic memories for people who, like, I think everybody in Ireland has, like, my age anyway, probably has a grandparent or a great-grandparent who they knew smoked the pipe. Right. And it kind of invokes these memories in these people's when they smell pipe tobacco. Like everybody, because we have so few tobaccos in Ireland, people just smell a pipe and they say, oh, that's Condor or that's, like uh, Aaron Moore, that's what my granddad granddad used to smoke, and it kind of that's getting people into it. Like it's had a huge resurgence amongst young people in Ireland, uh, pipe smoking. Um, and where the shop is situated, even now in the new location, it's right opposite Trinity College, which is the main university yeah. uh, in Ireland. Lots of young people are coming in and starting on the pipe it's it's also a more economical way of smoking in ireland like tobacco in ireland is incredibly expensive um cigarettes are running about 20 euros a pack of 20 now <laughs> yeah yeah so and then the the kind of biggest course we have at the moment is is the vaping um so people are getting staying away from the vaping and coming on to pipe smoking which is really encouraging are you are you finding that a lot of the Irish pipe smokers are, are maybe smoking a pipe like three or four days a week and maybe when they go out to the pub and, and sit outside in the Yeah, so like so Ireland has a smoking ban. You can't yeah. smoke indoors anywhere uh, in the country. Um, so a lot of pubs have adapted to this and they've built outdoor heated smoking areas that yeah. are sheltered from the three hundred and sixty days of rain that we get here. Um, <laughs> so it, it is quite comfortable to sit outside a pub even on a really cold and wet winter's day it's cozy um so you would see that like there's there's a pipe smoking club and they meet once a, uh, once a month um in the same bar and there's a couple of cigar clubs as well so that it it is a it is a thing that's becoming more routine more part of people's routines um right. I don't think a lot of people smoke at home um, or younger people don't tend to smoke at home at all. Like even I see my neighbors who smoke cigarettes, they're standing outside their house smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Um, it's just not a thing really um, that people do. Um, I think it's, it's, especially with younger people that they're at the age where they're probably, there's young children in the house and things like that. So they just don't want to smoke around young children, but they still smoke regularly um when they can at twenty dollars a pack i'd stand outside and smoke one yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah so what exactly is your current position with peterson so 
I've gone from a kind of very sales focused role from when I worked in the shop and even when I started working in, in the kind of factory set and dealing uh, with distributors to a more rounded kind of position. It's kind of different parts. The role would like basically looking after some parts of production. Um, then there's obviously the selling part, uh, dealing with distributors. Uh, and then kind of the, my, my favorite stuff is kind of dreaming up or thinking of new series that we can try and then doing the research and development on those to see if we can number one make it work and number two that's not going to break the factory in production that <laughs> uh one of glenn's wild ideas um so it's it's very rounded it, no two days are the same which is which is really great like i don't yeah. think there's a lot of people who have a job that can say that and say it truthfully um uh, like i'm very very lucky like i love my job um i have friends who dread going into work on monday mornings like I'm almost itching to get out the door, and so it's. I'm I'm very privileged, very lucky in that sense. That, and I think I can say that for probably most of the people like that confidently that work in this company that they do love their job because of the variety of work, and um, so it's it's a good place to work. So, are you involved in designing or coming up with some of the crazy ideas for the and for the holiday releases and the special editions and? Yeah, so usually what happens is uh, Josh uh, Borges, managing director, and in Sykes, who everybody knows, uh, yeah. we're usually here in Dublin together, um, or if we're at a show um, in, in the States or in Germany, and we usually sit around the table and we plan out the year uh, in advance of like what special releases we can do, what can we do for the special releases. We have a few friendly arguments about what we can do, <laughs> yeah. which is healthy. Uh, and then we kind of come to a general consensus. And when, when we're thinking of these series that we want to do, the, the, the kind of main thing that we want to do is it has to keep to the Peterson aesthetic, that right. this kind of classical muscular uh, style, uh, especially when it comes to things like Pipe of the Year. Um uh, it, it just, Peterson has always been a traditional pipe brand. Um, so we have to keep to that. And I think since the, the DC acquisition, we've done that really successfully with the kind of pipe of the year releases, especially. Uh, so it's, that that's the kind of first criteria. Obviously, St. Patrick's Day, we're allowed to have a bit of fun. Uh, that's when we can go like really, really kitschy if we want to. Uh, and then, Halloween as well, like we have a bit of fun with that as well. Um, so it's <laughs> first and foremost, it's if it has to fit with the brands and what we're trying to do with the brands. Uh, but there are kind of exceptions where we get to have fun. Let's just say, for example, for a uh, St. Patrick's Day 2024 pipe. Yeah. When do you start the design and when does that go into production? Because you, you've got to get them out before the holiday. So. So usually, um, usually, when the when the date comes on the calendar, it serves almost as a reminder for the following year. Okay. So once it hits St Patrick's Day, say twenty twenty three, we were already planning for twenty twenty four. It's it, we just have to be, especially if there's kind of uh, raw materials uh, considerations that we have uh, right. for it, making sure we have raw materials. So there, is, there are a lot of things where we have to consider 
um, and then suppliers and things like that as well. So it's usually 10 to 12 months um, out that we would start talking about it um, and getting a kind of broad plan in place, especially it gives us time then for research and development as well. Um, it, it's, it's not always an exact science pipe making. There's, no. You're going to come across things, so we have to kind of allow for those as well. And then you have to produce them in time for all the different distributors around the world to receive them and get them through customs and all that. So exactly. Yeah. There's an awful lot of considerations Uh, like St. Patrick's day right now uh, is going through the factory. Uh, It's in production for next year, St. Patrick's day, 2024. Um, So they'll be kind of shipping off um, probably mid December. Um, and that'll be, they'll be spotted and seen on, on websites in, in early 2024, I imagine. Santa Claus is delivering Christmas presents while the, yeah, while the leprechauns in Ireland are making St. Patrick's day pipes. There you go. Yeah. In their, in their, in their green suits and their red beards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of Christmas, just for fun, because Christmas is coming up, any Irish, any any traditions for you and your family around Christmas or New Year's and pipes? Uh, what's a what's a standard Christmas uh, holiday so, like? So I love Christmas now in the role that I'm in. So when I worked in retail, my Christmas generally resulted in being sick for most of the Christmas because we would literally work from the first of December till the 24th of December without a day off because the shop would be so busy (laughs) and you would just get the natural flu that comes with just being generally run down. Uh, So usually I would be head cold and flu right through till New Year because you'd be back in work on the 28th. So now in this role, I love it. We finish around the 22nd or so, two or three days before Christmas and we're not back until the New Year. So it's a solid 10-day block. I know my email is not going to stack up because everybody else is in the same position uh, (laughs) as me. So we can really take the foot off the gas. And so usually our Christmas at home is I have a bar in the house that I get a keg of Guinness and we invite people over. We have, so my, where I live, my sisters are very close by. So they all come around on Christmas Eve uh, and the kids play with each other. We've cousins all in around the same age. Um, so everybody comes to our house on Christmas Eve. Then we have a few points. Uh, they see the kids getting into their jammies or whatever. Uh, yeah, so we would have that uh, kind of tradition where we sit around, play a few games, a few stories. Um, and then Christmas Day is literally just we do nothing other than let the kids play and be kids. We don't have to move. We have dinner as a family of five. Um uh, and just relax. We watch TV, like Toy Story or something, one one through all of them. Um, <laughs> and then we just literally take it easy. Um, Stephen, uh, St. Stephen's Day, 26th, we usually going to go and take the kids for a walk. Because um, usually there's bikes or new scooters or roller skates that they have. <laughs> uh, so weather dependent, we, we get them out and get them active just so we can all kind of walk off the eating the turkey and ham and all the chocolates and stuff that comes with uh, Christmas Day where you just eat until you think food is never going to exist anymore. 
And then you get back home, and if there's anything left in that keg... Yeah, well, I usually have a backup for over the Christmas because uh, the brewery's uh, closed as well for about three or four days, so there's always a backup keg. But there's always <laughs> plenty of whiskey in my house as well, so... <laughs> All right. So what uh, with this being the end of November, what pipes are coming out? I guess the Christmas one is already out in the market. Yeah, so like this year is a big year for Peterson. Um it's the 125th anniversary of the final system patent. So um just just recently uh we had the deluxe system Rua um yeah. which were launched uh before that we had the Barley Premiers uh which is a natural virgin uh sandblast. Uh and then we've we've one more release um, for for the 125th, which is going to be the deluxe system uh, done in an ebony finish. Ooh. So, yeah, we're all really excited about that one. Um, that that's that's going to be popular. And then there'll be another surprise, I think, just before Christmas as well. Um, that's yeah. Uh-oh. I don't want to say too much too soon, but it, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we're. Me personally, I'm really excited about because um, there's a there's a couple of shapes in there with P lips that don't typically come with P lips or haven't in in a long time. So uh, it it's it, it's really exciting. Um, so that'll be two new pipes for me as well when uh, those shapes come out. <laughs> and then finally, because Ireland has become quite a popular U.S. tourist destination. Uh, are factory tours or factory visits available for for us colonials? Yeah, of course. So we reintroduced the factory tour. So we had planned to do it earlier, but then COVID hit, and obviously with all the kind of restrictions on um, personal space and whatnot yeah. uh, due to health and safety guidelines, they they all got finally officially lifted um, uh, in the last year, uh, but. We were in the middle of the big move as well, moving the factories. Um, right. So now that we're fully settled into our new facility and everything's kind of working um, nicely, uh, we, we've we opened up the tour facility. Um, it, it's not just a walk up to the door tour. Um, obviously, it has to be booked a couple of weeks in advance because someone from the production line has to do the tour or I would do the tour, um, depending on how busy the factory is. So it's, it, it's a really... It's a really kind of fun and informative tour. Um, I think a lot of people, when they do the tour, um, they they kind of come away from it like really appreciative of of the the factory pipe making. Like it's still a craft. It's not just an assembly line, um, a pipe factory. Um, even though we produce large numbers of pipes, it's it's not um, just an assembly line that some people might think it is. So how do we get a hold of you to if we're coming to Ireland? Because I, I may want to come to Ireland. Um, well, you, you have my personal email, yeah. so you can email me if you want. <laughs> I'm not giving that out to everybody. <laughs> no, but they, they, they can go onto the website. The contact details are on the www.peterson.ie website. and um, Or they can reach out through social media channels and someone will respond to them and give them the details on the tour and dates available. And walk through pick up a brand new Peterson pipe and walk through the misty rain of Dublin and uh, quote James Joyce. There you go. What, what better way to spend a, a day around Dublin? Uh, with a pint or two. Absolutely. Several. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. So what is your favorite pipe? 
264 as a shape 264 100% it's a Canadian Peterson Canadian shape and what is your favorite tobacco um, probably St. Bruno uh, St. Bruno Flake um, I kind of chop and change but uh, if I had to pick one definitely St. Bruno Flake is the, the tobacco my grandfather smoked so um, it, it's really kind of unique in its kind of flavor profile for me and since the Peterson tobaccos are not directly associated with the Peterson pipes, you're free to pick any brand of tobacco you want now, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For an Irishman, what is your favorite drink? Guinness. Good boy. Yeah. Yeah. Alcoholic <laughs> drink. I'm, I'm assuming you meant alcoholic drink. <laughs> hey, listen, I just say drink. Whatever you take, for, you know, but you are but you are Irish, so I would automatically. During the, during the day, during the day, the work day, it's coffee, black coffee. Uh, but uh, yeah, Guinness, if I had a choice, um, it was no rails for working <laughs> or driving. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, I'm going to go answer D and go a podcast. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Do I know that podcast? No. <laughs> you may do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Because, I mean, your memories only go back to being three years old, so. So I do. Uh, and it's, it's one that's from working in the industry. Uh, I'm not going to mention what, what pipe club it was, uh, just in case the person that it's about is listening or but a couple of years back i got invited outside of ireland to a, a pipe club uh, they were having a slow smoking competition and i traveled over it was it, i was able to get in and out in a day so i traveled over and i was just kind of doing the room and there was an older gentleman there and he was smoking his pipe and he was just chatting to me and he was just telling me he came down like that himself for the day he was off just off a four-hour train ride um, and he was smoking the pipe and someone just tapped me on my shoulder and I got distracted from that guy for a second. And when I turned back, um, the guy's eyes were closed and his head was drooped down. And this, <laughs> this guy was really, really old, really frail. And I'm thinking, this guy is dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> there was no movement from the guy. And for about 10 seconds, like he genuinely was motionless. And then next thing I just see is the smoke coming out of his pipe. He was out there falling asleep and he was still smoking the <laughs> pipe in his sleep. Like the relief I had just from knowing that he wasn't dead in front of me because I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be scraping this guy off the floor here and I'm going to have to, I'll miss my flight going home or whatever. But that's probably the fondest memory I have because I just thought to myself, if there was ever a way to go as a pipe smoker, that's yeah. it there. Loaded pipe. And just in a good environment with good people. Uh, so that that's definitely a favorite memory. And I'm thinking that is one very, very dedicated pipe smoker that even in his sleep, he was still puffing on the pipe. Yeah. Just creature I have, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. Uh, thanks for all you're doing. Thank you for coming on the show and doing this. It's been Pleasure. wonderful. And uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back again. Absolutely. Maybe next year we can do something from the, the pipe shop. Ooh, I'll bring my microphone. The the good one. Do. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again. Thanks, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. 
Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, for, you know, obviously check out everything that Glenn's doing. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep up to date on him, I promise. Um, but for music, we switch from Ireland. And this one comes from uh, a recommendation from Jennings. He says a quick, uh, uh, quick music recommendation for holiday music. Chet Atkins playing Jolly Old St. Nicholas. That's his uh, favorite Christmas tune. So here we go with uh, kicking off the Christmas tunes with Chet Atkins. We have officially kicked off the holiday music with uh, Jolly Old St. Nicholas from Chet Atkins, and uh, thanks to Jennings for sending that in. Tuesday, Monday, you've got mail. Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got mail. Thursday, Friday, you've got mail. And mailbag comments or questions can be emailed directly to me, Brian, at pipesmagazine.com. That's B R I A N at pipesmagazine.com. 
And uh, as we're pre-recorded here, I have nothing new except I've got a couple of emails to uh, get caught up on, so I'm going to read them here. And uh, Harry, who is a watch collector, and I've gotten involved in that a little bit, and uh, that's where I ran into Harry. Harry says, I keep an eye on uh, Shop Goodwill for vintage watches and have bought some decent ones in the past. So that's uh, Goodwill's uh, auction site or shopping site, and it's shopgoodwill.com, I believe. Uh, and he says, anyways, I saw this pop up on a recent search and thought of you. No idea if it's any of with it's any if it's any affiliation with Rolex, the watch company, as I'm not a pipe guy. Uh, so figured I would send it over to you in case it was a le was legit and you wanted it. Uh, no worries, I won't be com I won't be a competing bidder on it. Uh, by the way, I took a guess at this email based on you talking about your Vegas pipe show in the past. <laughs> yeah, he found me. Um, anyway, uh, so he sent a link to the Rolex, the pocket pipe, you know, the one with the little stem that folds around. And I'm wondering if any of you experts out there know how Savin Savinelli was making these for years. And if any of you experts know if this was in combination with Rolex or any of the history of how they got to use the name Rolex on a pipe. I don't know. Uh, I always thought of the pipes as more of a gimmicky pipe because it, you know, it was really made for like a vest pocket or a suit pocket, a uh, small compact kind of oval and round. And uh, I always thought of them looking like Pac-Man's. All right. If you got any ideas, let me know. Uh, and then uh, Jennings sent me uh, two questions. And uh, question number one is, uh, he says, you've smoked and collected for a long time. Has your taste changed? I ask because I've smoked consistently for four years. My taste changed after a year, but has been consistent since. I've now collected enough tobacco for 20 years and continue to add <laughs> to that future. <laughs> I'm 30. <laughs> Have you cellared a few pounds of anything that you later realized you grew a disliking for? Or once you found your style, did it stay pretty consistent? All right, so it took me about six years to find really what I liked, and that was the Virginia Periques, and then I really kind of honed in on Escudo and a couple of the McClellans, and then, uh, and then my favorite, Acadian Ribbon, came out in 2005. And then by 2006, I was pretty much stuck there, and I've been stuck there ever since. Um, there is a couple of times where... Uh, the uh, in particular the Dunhill three year matured that was made by Murray's. I really liked that in the early 2000s, and then by the time I got around to smoking it, uh, smoking some that I had saved and stockpiled and hoarded and stored, I didn't like the way it tasted. So I was you know lucky enough that I was able to send it off and uh, get rid of it or you know trade it off at a pipe show. Um, but yeah, my taste has pretty much stayed the same. I'm wondering with the move to Florida, you know, I'm pretty sure my Virginias will be a little bit more, uh, I'll, I'll be able to smoke more of them, um, through the years, uh, through the year. So I, I think that'll be a change. Um, my change in pipes change, uh, shifted pretty good when I was working for smokingpipes.com in 2009 and 10, because before that, everything that I smoked was a straight uh, was a straight Canadian Lavat, long billiard, something like that. And then I've now diversified into bent pipes and, you know, different sizes and different shapes, but everything before that was pretty uniform in size and shape. Now I've got, 
you know, small pipes, big pipes, straight bents. You know, I've got a pretty good assortment. I still, though, deviate towards the five and a half inch Levat, uh, five inch Levat as my go to shape. So that hasn't changed, but other parts have. My worst nightmare is I become uh, perique sensitive as I age and I'm not able to smoke all these Virginia perikes that I've got. And then I want that. I won't, I don't know what to do. Uh, and then he also asked me coffee. You mentioned your favorite coffee, uh, the Tanzanian pea berry. Uh, I'm really into artisan coffees and espressos and various brew methods and was curious what it was you mentioned. Also, do you have a preferred brew method? I buy a lot of coffee from North Carolina, mostly black and white roasters. They make some of the finest. Try some if you haven't before. All right, so I've got, uh, at home, I've got two different brewing methods that I use mostly. One is a Keurig machine, and that's for the first two cups in the morning. Uh, there's a couple of different coffee pods that I like, and it's just really go find yours. You know, go find the one you like. Um, I will occasionally do some grinds into a uh, Keurig, uh, in a, one of the Keurig disposable little bat or you know reusable little baskets. What I'm really enjoying though is the other two cups of coffee during the day that I might have, and that's where I am playing around with a burr grinder and an electric burr grinder and a hand grinder and different kinds of beans that I can buy. Um, and playing around with the grind level and my espresso machine to do basically what I'm calling, you know, what I call long shots. So they're like five to six ounces, a double shot of coffee grinds with five to six ounces of water run through it. Um, so the idea is that I get a really good 15 minute sipping coffee, you know, later on in the day, in the morning, I need that K cup machine just to get me going. Uh, but to me, the trick is really in the uh, in the grind quality and the pacing of it through the you know the pacing of the water through it. Uh, I do have a, a French press. I have an arrow press, and I also have a, a little uh, Greek slash Turkish breaky, the little coffee uh, brewer thing. But I don't play with those as often as I should uh, because I'm having fun with the different you know. With, playing around with the different grinds of different beans that I have. And I think right now I'm working my way in down in uh, beans because I overbought and I've got some beans that are getting really old. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, music suggestions, guest suggestions, all that. And uh, coming up, a uh, another little holiday message. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool smoking corncob pipes, colonial area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. Good evening, Mr. Cavendish. We've received hard intelligence that an organization known only to us as TinBids.com is, at this very moment, offering vintage, rare, and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories. 
This they're doing in a live online auction environment for its global syndicate of pipe collectors. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to log in to tinbids.com and win the auction of your choice. If you should fail in this mission, well, you'll just have to wait until next time. Good luck, Mr. Cavendish. Visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up for free today. This ad will self-destruct in five seconds. holiday season kicks into full gear here and people are traveling again and people are ordering things and there's uh, hustle and bustle and cars are out on the road uh, i just want to remind us that drive cars to uh, you know be respectful to the truck drivers the delivery drivers all those people that are working really hard uh, the postal carriers that are working really hard to make sure that our uh, packages greeting cards uh all the things we've ordered are being delivered on time. Uh, if you're on the road, you know, give that truck driver a break and let them let them in. Uh, if you're driving around town, you know, what, let that let that FedEx or UPS driver come out in front of you and make their day a little bit easier as they're dealing with the overload. Uh, let those Amazon drivers, you know, let let them in. Uh, give them a break. Uh, if you're home and you see one coming, you know what. Run up to the truck and uh, you know save them a few steps because they're hustling all day long. Uh, you can do you can also do what we do. Uh, we have some extra candy left over for Halloween, and we'll put little snacks out on the front porch in a bucket, and it just says a little sign, you know, a little sweet snacks for the people that are uh, delivering all the stuff to us. Just do those little things and uh, make their days a little bit easier because now you know they're ramping up for their biggest time of the year and. We just need to be a little bit nicer to them, a little bit more uh, caring to them, especially when we're on the road because we're in their workplace and uh, you know they've got their <laughs> they've got their schedules and their demands. And boy, you don't want your packages to be late, so you know give them a break, let them merge in, let them uh, uh, let let them cut in front of you. You know what? Give them a give them a break. All right, it's the holiday season and uh, with the internet. You know, more and more people are ordering things and having things shipped and all that stuff. So give those uh, give those folks out there a break. All right. Uh, again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, thank you to Glenn for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. And now.
Sharks. Epic action in the Reindeer Games last night as crowds cheered on a record-breaking night for Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and... Oh, they're all winners!